Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for a special bonus episode of the Cutting Room Floor. This is a little podcast that I started to showcase any entertainers and uh, creative types from all walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. That's a bit of a weak spot because I'm on there pretty much all the time. My Twitter handle is at Cutting Room MRB. Uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cutting room MRB. Uh, if you've got something to talk about, uh, you want me to promote your work on the show, I'm happy to do it. Shoot me an email, cuttingroomfloor.mrb at gmail.com, uh, and I'll be happy to get your word out there the uh, the best way I can. And I am booking for August. I tried to shorten the wait times because this was a uh, sort of piece of feedback that I got. And I'm I'm happy to do it this way too. It gives everybody a chance and and uh, gives me a, a little bit more flexibility in my own schedule as well. So, um, if you're listening to this, this is not my usual home. I just finished doing a show over on TalkShoe. Uh, I try to be as accommodating as I can. We had a bit of an issue with Skype today with my guest for the second half, uh, or I should say for the bonus episode. Um, we couldn't get on Skype. We couldn't get that connected. So. You know, we switch gears and you think quickly, and you you get over on the uh, the talk show site. We're doing this by a regular uh, kind of a phone call here. So, um, also wanted to give a quick thank you before I get started to Rachel uh, to to my guest today, Rachel Israel, and to Leah Savoli, who is a mutual friend of ours. And Leah is one of the hardest working people I know in the in the entertainment business or in the entertainment business period. Uh, has teed up countless interviews for me. She's done the show herself a couple of times. Really good friend to have, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to work with her. So whenever she comes to me and says, look, I want to know what your openings are, I generally drop what I'm doing and, and try to make sure that I, um, you know, I, I create some additional openings if I don't have any already to make sure that I can work with, uh, with Leah's people. Um, so this is the, the, the latest in the series of that. Now, just to give you some information on, on Rachel, uh, she's a New York-based filmmaker, uh, she's also an adjunct professor at the Rhode Island School of Design, and uh, she's adapting her own award-winning short film and her master's thesis, which she uh, thesis she got from uh, Columbia University, no less, uh, uh, which is not the easiest thing to do for for anybody's sake. Uh, so we're here to talk about it. It's on the crowdfunding trail right now. This is a really interesting-looking project. It's got a lot of meat and, and heart behind it, and uh, I, I was very curious to hear about this myself. Uh, the project is called uh, Keep the Change, and it is going to mark uh, Rachel Israel's directorial debut, uh, featured directorial debut, I might add. Uh, so without further ado, for the first time, the Cunning Room Floor proudly welcomes Rachel Israel. Uh, Rachel, how are you? I'm well, especially after that lovely introduction. Thank you, Casey. So, I, you know, that's the first question I always have for everybody is, is sort of a bit of an icebreaker here. Did, did I get all of your bio information right, or was that close enough, as I like to say? That's close enough. That's, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Did I yeah, get anything? Yeah, it's there. It's there. It's all. It's huh? yeah. That's it. I, I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything wrong. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you did got. You got nothing wrong. There's more okay. information, but I, but that's but everything that's there is accurate. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I I try to you know take out the uh, the bigger bits as it were. So right. that's right. 
Uh, so, so I guess that, you know we, we can sort of jump right into it. Keep the change, right? Uh, kind of an ambiguous title given the the, the material. Like I, I, I'm kind of curious as to how you came up with the title. But first of all, I'm going to uh, ask you a little bit about you know, what the film is about, basically. Yeah, um, the film is about um, a young man on the autism spectrum who is uh, very very high functioning, and he comes and uh, it's a love story. He meets his first girlfriend at this community. He's forced to attend uh, a six-week social skills program at the JCC of Manhattan's uh, community and um, falls in love. Um, but it's really, it's a story about, it's, it's a love story and it's also a story about coming to terms with an identity. So, so when, you say, um, when you say high-functioning autistic, I mean, it, it, it's just where the guy technically falls within the spectrum of it, but yeah, I'm actually not, I use the term and I kind of was wincing when I say it, I'm not that comfortable with uh, saying high or low functioning because from my experience with people in this community, they, you know, there's not really a scale. People function differently. Um, he is, he, he, his position is that he feels like he almost passes as a person who doesn't have autism um, and is not comfortable associating with people that he thinks clearly don't pass. So he's in a kind of troubled uh, position. So okay, so I mean that that's kind of an interesting statement, right? That that uh, that you know he he thinks that he's okay, but he's not quite comfortable with you know the certain variables of life, right? Which is uh, you know kind of kind of an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. So it's and it's uh, it's kind of a common you know hard problem for people that. Feel like you know I, I I'm almost I'm almost getting along in you know in this world and I'm definitely not one of those people. It's, yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's kind of an awkward middle ground, isn't it? Right? Yeah. That, that, that uh, and it, it would I would imagine for somebody like that it would be a relatively scary place to be too. Yeah. Yeah. So for for our lead character, he's thrust into uh, you know for him initially the worst the worst place is to be stuck with this group of people for six weeks. Um, in a summer in New York City. Um, the one part of the project is that we're working with real people. So um, all people in the film that are portrayed as having autism, they have autism. We're working with one community, and actually the relationships in the film are kind of pulled up from real relationships. Okay, no, and this is an interesting point, too, that, that uh, I was going to ask you whether or not you, you had any experience with, um, you know, whether through, it was through family members or friends that, that, uh, you know, that actually had autism. But, but uh, I'll, I'll ask you that first. I mean, was this a project of the heart from that perspective? Yes. Yeah, so I came to this project. Um, the, our lead is a friend of mine of over a dozen years now, and um, I came to the project. Well, I came to this world first through him. Um, he was—he was very much this person that didn't want to want to identify as having autism. And then he met his first girlfriend at this very community, and that had an effect on his life. And then I, as a friend, came in and kind of wanted to celebrate this. And then I was also at the time—I'm a filmmaker—and I was at the time um, at Columbia getting my MFA in directing. Um, I guess I I felt very moved by his story as a love story, 
and also thought that there aren't there haven't been enough depictions of people on the spectrum uh driving just even even in the driver's seat of the story so you so there are often films about autism but the, the a character even if it is his story that has the most at stake in the film it will become the siblings or the care or a caretaker's story instead of allowing that person to be uh, have a drive and it was very much something that i saw in all the people that i started to get to know in in this community that they wanted love and they are kind of bold, rich, distinct people, none of them the same. So I got, felt like there's a, there's a pocket here that I was motivated to, to fill and um, it grew from there. And then I, since I was at Columbia and I had this opportunity and resources to make a short film, um, I you know took out some Bank of America loans for, for it and had cameras and crew and we, we made the short film. And from there it's it's developed into a feature. So, so is this a is this sort of adapted from a, a, a true story, or is this purely a fictional piece? Or I, I guess how close did you get to this gentleman's story? Uh, it's inspired by it's adapted from real characters. So it's, it's a fictional story, but the development of the whole story has been in collaboration with the care with with my actors. Um, so we so. It, but even before we made the short, there was a draft of a script that has now very much been changed by what we learned doing the short. Um, but it has taken a long time because it's been a back and forth. So if I write something that it isn't, we're not trying to plug an actor in who, you know, will play anything. We're really trying to make a script that is a that um, is derived from the real people and will hopefully um, tap into their who they are and emotionally to get the most emotion on screen. Now, you, you mentioned that, that uh, all of the people that are portrayed as having autism in the film are, are actually themselves autistic, right? That, that you yeah. didn't hire you know, actors that were non-autistics to play the parts, right? Um, were there any reservations from either the actors themselves or the family members when you were kind of putting this team together as to how certain things were going to be portrayed? Or was there any kind of delicate line that you found yourself needing to watch to get the elements in place? Um, it was There wasn't too much reservation because I already, we, we knew each other for a while, so there was trust that just came from relationships. Um, there, there has been discussion, there, there is, um, I think even for a trained actor to do material that is close to home is, is sensitive, so we've been, we have dealt with, with that, but it isn't they understand there, there's a safety of their playing a fictionalized version of themselves and very much understand the difference between themselves and their characters. And, uh, and you, the, you okay, uh, I'm sorry, was there anything else that you wanted to, to run with? Oh, no, just, well, I guess just that and that the, the process of the collaboration that uh, creates trust because they know I'm not, you know, writing something and going, you know, kind of going to anything from them we're in it together and we're, we're designing it together no it, it sounds to me like this is you know like you said there's a there's a give and take right that you wouldn't want to put them in situations or have them say certain things that they wouldn't necessarily feel uncomfortable with right yeah um, now, now you mentioned that you uh, also had they uh, adapted this from your own short story or your mm -hmm. own short film right um, and I know that the, the short film that you did was very well received, right? That, that uh, you actually won an award or two uh, as a result of this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So what can you tell us about what happened there? Oh, so the short film uh, was made as my uh, at the time when I was at Columbia. It did it won the best best film at Columbia University Film Festival, um, which is was quite an honor because uh, it's amazing. You know what, what comes out of Columbia is incredible. So it won best film. It won best alumni uh, film. Um, it won um, Arthur J. Harris Memorial Prize, and it, it has gone on to to screen at a number of festivals and been very well received um, by broad audiences. So it's not just a film for people who a lot of people, most people have autism in their lives through a, through some, through it's not a friend or a friend of a friend or someone in their families. But it's, even if you don't have that present in your life, it screens well. And uh, how did you go about stretching it into a, uh, into a feature piece? Like what were some of the elements that you built on? Um, we, we just went deeper. So there's plenty of um, uh, my characters lead dramatic lives, and uh, it was a the, the process of developing it into a feature was just um, more more time spent with my actors delving into those issues that are uh, pressing for them. So um, if you watch the short film, it's set within a day, and it's this first meeting of of this. Uh, of, of these two characters, the feature allows us to really go deeper into that that larger identity crisis for our main character and expand it to the world the the world of this community. Okay, and uh, you, you mentioned that you worked with one group in particular uh, mm-hmm. that, that was sort of a community. Would, would you like to give them a mention in terms of how? They, oh yeah, okay. at the adaptations program at the at JCC Manhattan has. Uh, has hosted us for the has hosted me for the past five years of this whole this whole process, um, and so I actually I became a volunteer at Adaptations soon after deciding to make the short film, and since then I've just developed kind of become an uh, I've developed relationships with a lot of the people there, and they've they've been really terrific and supportive, and we'll be shooting at the JCC. We'll be shooting with uh, we'll be shooting with people that run social skills classes. They'll be on screen playing themselves, running the classes. Um, yeah. Okay, and, and uh, what kinds of other characters, like maybe if you could sort of run down maybe your, your main list of characters, who are we going to meet in this film? Yeah, so David is David is the lead, and he is the newcomer to this community. Um, he is... Uh, he has a persona a little bit as a ladies' man, but he's really starving for a lady. Um, you'll meet Sarah, who his, becomes his love interest, and she is the uh, sort of the beauty queen of this of this community. She is boy crazy and adored, um, and very very proud of herself, rightly so. Um, David comes from a very wealthy family, and is all the time kind of masking and trying to get along in um, in an urbane world. Um, so coming to this community, uh, Sarah really is a, kind of a stark contrast to his self-shaming. Um, and then our supporting character is played by Nikki Gottlieb and Will Deaver. Nikki is social uh, organizer of the world and just delighted when he meets David and wants to cast him in the little theater production they're doing at the end of the summer. 
uh, Will Deaver is actually a music blog, a real-life music blogger. He'll be keeping his name uh, for promotion of his uh, website. And he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, he has a bit of an antisocial persona, uh, but a very big heart. Well, it sounds like you've got really kind of a, a you know an interesting variety of characters for this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, really interesting variety of characters, and um, some of the beauty. These people are friends in real life, and some of the beauty of of their uh, they've got like a, this little friendship circle where they um, this particular crowd, Nikki and well, actually David isn't a part of, but Nikki, Will, and Sarah have a show tune evening that they do every Sunday, and um, I'm kind of an honorary member of, of the show tunes group, um, and get together every Sunday evening and listen to show tunes and other music and talk, and um, there's a, it's, it's a wider group than, than just those, but something very beautiful about the social dynamic is how different people are from each other. There's a saying that if you know one person with autism, then you know one person with autism. Um, that's a very uh, profound. That's a very profound statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but the, the amongst I'm not gonna I don't want to generalize, so I'm just speaking right now for this for this for this group that there's a lot of there's a kind of an acknowledgement that we are each different, and you know we acknowledge our inflexibilities and and they're out in the open and we accept it and we still need each other. So we make it we make it work. Um, it's it's a really great group of people. I'm uh, thrilled to be bringing them to the screen. So, so how did you um, just in terms of Kurt's involvement? I I know that he was a uh, a big player for you as well, right? Oh yeah. Well, Kurt is Kurt is one of our uh, one of our main producers. Um, he came on. I actually uh, he had seen the short film, and was a was a he went also a Columbia graduate and. Um, was a big fan of the short film and then um, came in and met the people and the opportunity opened up for him because he was already on, he was on another film, but the opportunity opened up for him to join, to join us um, and that film didn't go through. So um, he's a major force, um, recent, more of a recent addition to our team, but has been a great propeller. And had you worked with him before? Or? Nope. No, I hadn't worked okay. with no, no, yeah. But we have a lot of because he went to Columbia. Columbia is a tight network, so we have a ton of mutual um, relationships. Now, I, I know that you have the um, the film on a crowdfunding campaign right now, right? Yeah, that's right. And and how, how is that going for you? It's going really well. We um, I've never done crowdfunding before. I'm not a big social media person, so it's been uh, I'm growing new wings with that. I feel like all the time I'm kind of hearing my... I, I'm having to develop a social media voice on Facebook and, and it kind of has felt for the past three weeks like I'm listening to Minnie Mouse through a loudspeaker because I'm not used to speaking to a crowd in that way. Um, but the it's been, a, it's been a... I've gotten more out of the experience in motivation than I've for, for this, for our film, that I, I didn't know that was a part of it. When you do crowdfunding, then you're really kind of touching your, t- touching and finding your audience 
before the film is made. So seeing the spirit behind our audience and how much they want this film has uh, been very inspiring. And we're right now, this is our, we're entering our last week of the campaign. Um, As of today, we're at 77% and um, we want to hit 120%. (laughs) Okay, so you're going for a stretch goal at this point. Uh, We'd love to, yeah, yeah, we'd like to go for a stretch goal, but, uh, you know, first first 100% and then we, I'll push. Well, uh, yeah, but I, I mean, you guys yeah. have raised a lot more money than a lot of these campaigns have, have uh, you know, already than than a lot of these campaigns raised. I mean, seventy percent of your target is still close to thirty nine thousand dollars. Yeah, seventy seven, seventy seven percent. Yeah, yeah, seventy seven percent. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're you're at basically thirty nine and against the goal of fifty, right? Yeah. So, so what are you raising the money for? Like, well, you know, what's going to happen if if you guys, you know, hit this hundred percent mark and you guys get your fifty thousand dollars? Then we get to get the film in the can. So we're raising the funds for production. Okay, so this is principal production. Then you guys haven't yes. actually shot it yet. Is that right? That's right. But we are we're shooting August thirteenth. We are uh, we have a number of our locations blocked. Um, we have key crew positions filled. Um, so at the same time. Uh, it's, it's an intense period because at the same time as we are finishing this campaign, we have started pre-production and are preparing to make it. It's been um, almost five years of gestation for this project, and we have been cast that whole time, so it's time for the film to be born. Now, have you actually, uh, you, know, you mentioned that you've been at this project for, for five years. Have you, have you managed to work yeah. on anything else in the process, or has this really been the main focus of all your efforts? This has been it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. I mean, no, it's great that you feel that strongly about this, right? Yeah. So, assuming that you can get the principal production done, then have you guys discussed how you're actually going to get people to see it? How? I'm sorry, can you repeat that, how we're going to get people to see it? To see it, yeah. Oh, um, well, once principal production is done, um, my plan is I'm going to take the, if and if we, you know, don't, it, I think that we'd start reaching out for investors for post-production. Um, if, like, I'm so committed to this project, if it takes my editing it for however long on my laptop, then I'll be doing that. But I'm, um, I think the hardest, the hardest part of, the project and of most projects is getting a good story, a good script, and a good cast, and we have that. So we have, we've done the hardest part. Um, we now just, there's like this feeling for me of there being gold in the earth with all of the effort that me and, and the actors have put into this, and now we just have to get the, we got to get the mechanical part in place so we can get the gold out. Um, and then, uh, Editing, editing will probably take a while because we have a we'll have a, a high ratio, but uh, it's a pleasure. It'll be great material to work with. And uh, I, I got to ask you this because you and I do have a friend in common at this point. But but how did uh, you come into contact with uh, Leah Savoli? Oh well, Leah was uh, recommend. We're doing our crowdfunder on Seed and Spark, and Leah works across many platforms as a um, one of her. One of her uh, things is she works will work as a campaign coach. Um, so we met Leah through Eric uh, through Erica from Seed and Spark, and she's Leah's been amazing. 
really yeah, amazing. Yeah, well, we well, couldn't. What, what kinds of things has she done to, to help you? I mean, I know that uh, she, she's been a huge help to me in terms of my social media presence, but, but what are some of the things that she's done to help you get your word out there? She gave us um, she gave us a game plan specific for our for our project to start with and has been there, like gone over and above in the amount of contact she's given us in leading us through this whole process. So every step of the way, she's there to help us strategize. Um, and really has gone over and above. No, I mean, so, you know, it's like basically unleashing a machine that works for you when you get Leah involved. Yeah. I mean, she's unbelievable. I, I, yeah. Uh, I don't know where to, where she finds the time to do it all. But, but uh, And if we could have, you know, done so, uh, such an effective outreach with, I don't, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a big social media person, or uh, Kurt, doesn't even have a Facebook page. So if we can do so well with, uh, then it's a lot of it's coming from Leah's um, sensitivity and smartness in how to run a successful campaign. Well, it is a lot like campaigning for office too, right? That you've got to be out there shaking hands a lot. And, and uh, I mean, I, I I work as a sales rep by by trade myself, so there there is a lot of uh, you know, handshaking and, and greeting that goes along with it too, right? Yeah, there's a lot, and and showing gratitude along the way. It's it's a big like it's all genuine. It's it's all genuine, but there's a lot of it, and how to manage that. Um, is yeah. And I I guess you know what are some of the things that people are saying to you? You know the the people that are investing in 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 your project. I mean, are you getting a lot of people sharing their own stories about, uh, you know, life with autism or, or knowing somebody with autism? I, I guess are you getting any of that kind of stuff? Or? Yeah, people want to see this movie. Um, there's, again, there's, there's sort of a lack of representation of what adult life on the spectrum looks like. Um, and I think there's, there's a lot of parents with children who have had a diagnosis of being on the spectrum and I Imagine, if, or what I've heard is that it's um, it's disconcerting to not have a representation for what that that life looks like. Um, so this is a film that has, yeah, that, that they want to see. It's also if the film did nothing, if no one's, it's it if the film did nothing, this is a film that is still having a deep and direct emotional impact, positive impact on the participants. On me, on the actors, um, in this collab, in you know, kind of being able to express themselves through making this film. So there's no um, there's there's no potential for loss in making this film. It's already positive. Um, and then yeah, yeah, I believe, I, yeah. I, no, I'm just curious, like in, you know, thinking back on some of the other you know films that some really good ones that have, that have dealt with autism. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the classic example being Rain Man, right? But, mm-hmm. but, but it sounds to me like you're taking this in a different direction entirely. This guy is, is really trying to lead a, you know, I don't want to use the word regular life, but, but that basically is what it is, right? Yeah. Rain, I, 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 love, I love the film Rain Man. I think it's a beautiful love story between brothers. But it's a tragic love story because... Uh, because Dustin Hoffman's character isn't capable of the change necessary to sustain that relationship. Um, I I want to make a positive, I want to make a, a happy love story. 
not a sentimentalized love story, but I want to make I want to show a successful relationship. Well, and it's also a tragic love story from the other side too, in the sense that Tom Cruise yeah. isn't capable of reengineering his life to the point that you know safety concerns and that kind of thing are taken into consideration, right? But, yeah. So they, you know, there was no middle ground for those two guys to meet, really. Right. Yeah. So I guess where do you go from here, right? Uh, you know, what what are you hoping to to accomplish next? You know, I guess what are your targets for for completion of shooting once you get your your funding in place? Um, yeah, well, we start um, we start filming August thirteenth, and it's uh, it's just it's go go go. Um, it's you know when you feel it's interesting the whole filmmaking process, and this will be my feature debut, but I've gone through this many times with short films that you make, you know, you can kind of wait a while before setting your, you know, decision to, to start. And once you set your decision to start and make those commitments with, with the other people that will be involved, that machine, that, that ride starts happening. Um, and then you just kind of get into the momentum of it and other people's energies start kicking in and it's happening. And um, you're always rushing and feeling, you know, toward that and, and feeling like it, it's a it's a sprint to be ready in time for when it comes, and then it comes, and you feel like once you start filming, you feel like you know you're ready. And for I this film, to, I, yeah. I just wanted to give a quick little shout out here. I thought you might find this fun. Uh, one of my regular listeners, Ivana, uh, there is dialing in from Argentina, so you got somebody that's listening to you way down south and. South America. So thanks, Savannah, for dialing in. And and uh, uh, it, it, it does sound like you you know you, you really uh, Rachel have a, a deep rooted passion in this, right? And uh, I would argue almost that you, you do have the one advantage for you going into this, knowing that you actually made the short film first, right? So yeah, uh, the vision would have to be clear in your head, I would think at least, to, as to where you wanted to go next with it, right? Yeah, yeah, the short film. Things that I was worried about before making this short film, in terms of you know, like my actors' endurance for that experience, they were not a problem. They were the they were the most tireless people on set. Um, yeah. And and out of curiosity, uh, I unless of course this is a spoiler, in which case I'm going to withdraw my question. But where does what's the significance of the Keep the Change title? Oh. So, um, keep the change is a catchphrase of our main character. Um, it's always over tipping. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's a big spender. He's always over tipping, and it's um, it has uh, it has some story significance too. But I won't give that away. Um, and if people, by the way, if people want to see the short film. Uh, it's online. It it premiered online. I think a week and a half ago, after soon after screening on PBS. Um, so it's now online for people to see, and you can find uh, links to that on our Facebook page. Oh, so you can actually see the short film? Yeah, you can see yeah. Okay, I didn't realize minutes. that. Okay, for free, or is this something that you're charging it's for? It's for free. For free. Okay, good for yep. you. All right. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to look this up. So. Yeah. Uh I guess, is there anything else, uh, you know, we have a couple of minutes left here before before I, I close this down, but is there anything else, uh, Rachel, that you would like to add, uh, you know, just sort of as an open forum here? This really is for you to promote your project. Is there is there anything else that you want to tell us about the project that you feel strongly about? Um, 
I guess I would just urge people again to watch the short film. I think that you'll be uh, before we made it. I had there was a lot of concern. Like I knew Brandon for a long time, and I felt like I can Brandon. Sorry, Brandon, who plays David. So I knew the lead for a long time, and I felt confident that knowing him, I could uh, I could direct direct the film. There was a lot of concern from people surrounding the idea of casting everyone with, with every character with autism with a real person with autism. So in the case of the short, it was casting his romantic uh, interest. We looked at 100 actresses, and it never felt right. 100 uh, traditionally trained actresses. It never felt right, and we wound up casting Samantha Ellisoffin to play Sarah, who uh, is a young woman from this community, um, is the best is like the best decision we I've ever made. Um, people who then had who had those doubts when they saw saw the short film, they thought I must have cast. Where did you where did, where did you find these actors? They're so incredible. They thought that they were traditionally trained actors, which I think says something to the quality of dramatic performance that my cast gave. Um, so. I guess I urge everyone to check out the short for the story and and these amazing performances. And uh, it's a great opportunity to join what will be a very unique film by joining the campaign for the feature. So even if it also says something to the sensitivity and and uh, you know thoughtfulness of your leadership as a director too, that if you're able to bring this out of them too, right? That's that's very kind. Thank you. my kind of my mantra is first with a lot of things is like first do no harm. They're so good, the like the the, the material is so good that um, I guess I'm uh, first do no harm and try to. The, our our goal is to uh, bring out what is there, and um, yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah, and, and in terms of supporting it, though, in terms of supporting the feature, also if people, if it's not like if people can't give monetarily, please just go to our site, to the Eden Spark page, and follow the project because it shows it shows people who would give, and it shows the kind of the wider world that there's an audience for this film. And uh, I, okay, and I, that was my next question to you: is where can people go to learn more about your project or again see the short or all the other great stuff where can people go yeah so to to see the short film go to go to say go to keep the change movie on facebook and uh there are massive like many many links to go watch the short film um it is available on the kqed film school shorts uh vimeo channel but just or vimeo youtube youtube just go to our facebook page like the project and you'll You'll find links to watch the short. Um, you can also email us at keepthechangemovie uh, at gmail. And uh, to support the project, go to our Seed and Spark page and follow the project. And you can see we've got a great pitch video up with our cast uh, telling in their own words what this project means to them. So you can meet our cast through the Seed and Spark page. Well, uh, what can I tell you, Rachel? This has been a uh, you know a big thrill to have you on. Um, I'm glad that we can make this work. And again, I'm, I apologize for the Skype connectivity, but I, I am glad that we were able to, to connect on TalkShare here today. And uh, uh, you know, speaking of somebody who's had limited experience in my own life with, with autistic people, I 
I think that this is a really good project that you're working on, and I, I hope to be able to see it once it's finished. Casey, thank you so much. It's been it's been an honor to be on with you. Thank you. No, and I'd be happy to have you and anybody from your team back uh, for for a follow up a little bit further out if you want to do that as well. All right. Come then we'll come on. We'll come on and celebrate the completion of shooting. Let's do that. Okay. So, okay. You know, get, tell tell Leah to get in touch with me. She knows how to get a hold of me, and uh, we'll we'll definitely tee this up again. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. So okay. uh, we'll Bye-bye. be talking with uh, Rachel Israel. Uh, and um, again, the uh, the film is called Keep the Change. You can see the uh, the short film on our website. We're just waiting for Aaron English, uh, who's a uh, a prolific uh, pianist and uh, musician out of Seattle. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to get him on. So, Aaron, if you can, uh, it's not let me. Okay, so uh, yeah. Okay, so Aaron, if you're listening to this, you just uh, dial in the eight one nine. Okay, just runs through the message again. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you, Aaron, please try to hang up and, and dial back in again. Uh, we're going to try to get this. Uh, uh, please, okay, just if you bear with me here, this is just typical of my day. So, uh, please hang up and drive again. Okay, so we seem to be having an issue with the phones on talk show. So uh, if not, then I guess we're going to book Aaron for the next week. Um, what can I tell you, Aaron? I'm really sorry. I'm trying to get you in here, and uh, we'll see if we can get him on. But uh, I've got a great uh, rest of the month book. Uh, I've got another one of Leah's references, a group from uh, another group from another film that she's working on or, uh, are going to be here next week. Uh, Bob Sally's coming back, and one of my favorite people, one of my all-time favorite guests, Brimstone, is going to be back on the show because he's got some things to promote. Um, if you haven't met Brimstone yet, Brimstone is uh, the head person in charge over at uh, the head hound in charge, I should say, over at Hound Comics, and uh, he's a former WWE wrestler. And uh, I look forward to having him on because I consider him a friend at this point. He's been on here about five times over the course of the last four years, and. Uh, He's always got a lot of really cool things to say. He's one of these people that, that you wonder how he keeps all these projects in the air, whether it's his uh, you know, line of barbecue spices or uh, sauces or uh, all the other things. And, and uh, he's always announcing some new title that he's working on or going to some kind of con or some kind of placement deal. Uh, he even had some of his backpacks uh, featured on the Big Bang Theory and, and Cruiser Polly's apartment and, the, uh, and in the comic book store. So... Uh, always fun to, to talk with Brimstone. Um, and if you guys are looking for the mainstream cinema, I've been going to the uh, movies a lot lately. Uh, I guess we can sort of talk about this for a little while. Uh, my buddies and I went and saw Jurassic World uh, the other day, or actually last night. Um, and uh, quite honestly, I, I can't stop thinking about it. This was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, much, much better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and Chris Pratt, I'm quickly becoming a big fan of his. Um, the other film that I saw recently was Inside Out, and if you haven't seen that, you're missing something. This is one of the first films that I know is being marketed to kids, but the jokes are all uh, written specifically for adults. And uh, they had me at Lewis Black, quite frankly. Uh, one of my all-time favorite stand-up comics plays Anger in that film, so if you get a chance to check that out. Um, Aaron, uh, okay, uh, Okay, I I hate to do this, Aaron, but I don't think we're going to be able to get you on today. Uh, we seem to be having a technical glitch, and I I am going to rebook you for next week uh, if you're available. And I apologize for this. 
we seem to be stuck in a bit of a loop here on TalkShoe, and uh, we can't get Aaron English on. But I, I will get in a, a quick plug for his website. Aaron is a very prolific uh, pianist, and, and uh, he's got a couple of albums out, and has uh, done three national tours. So I was really looking forward to having him on today. The official site for Aaron English is AaronEnglish.com. Uh, nice and easy to remember, and you can check out all of his albums and videos and stuff like that. Very, very great musician. Uh, and again, Aaron, I hope to have you on the show soon. Uh, so I'm just going to wrap this up. I, I don't have much of a choice. We're, we're going to uh, try to get Aaron on again next week. Uh, so until then, on behalf of all my guests, oh, okay, am I getting him? Okay, Aaron. Hello there. Talk about getting one in under the wire. All right, I think that's the most tap dancing I've ever done, honestly. Mm. <laughs> so mm. I, you, I was running out of things to say, but you got in, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Okay, so I, I appreciate this. Uh, we, we had a bit of a um, sort of a scheduling mix-up, so I, I appreciate okay. this. So, so my my guest today, uh, you know, my last guest of the day, of course, is Aaron English. He's based out of Seattle. Uh, he's had two self-released albums, and he's done three national tours. Uh, he's gotten some great quotes from a lot of different people in the music business, and I'm, I'm proud to have him on. So, with the cutting room floor, welcome for the first time, Mr. Aaron English. Uh, Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So uh, the first question I always have for everybody uh, when they come on for the first time uh, is a bit of an icebreaker. Is that I all did I get all of your bio information right, or is that close enough that they like to say? Yeah, well, I've uh, moved things along a little bit. I'm, I'm actually up to four albums released, and this is my seventh national tour. So. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So no, I'm um, going that's, by well, that's on your website. So I. Uh, I need to update that. <laughs> okay. Well, no, it, that's you. what it says. Yeah. So, you know, it, uh, three national tours and two self-released albums. So, yeah, yeah. Thank okay. you. Thank you. All right, no problem. Uh, no, I'll just ask you, you know, sort of an honest question. Is how did you get into to music in the first place? Uh, well, I'm a storyteller, and music is a way to tell stories. Um, and it, it was fairly arbitrary at that point that uh, choosing... A particular medium, I fell into music, um, and it has seemed to suit me so. And it is all about you know, the opportunity to be a storyteller for me. Okay, and uh, how would you describe the music scene in Seattle? I, I I've had a couple of filmmakers on from out that way, but I I haven't really had any musicians on from out there. Well, uh, it, its reputation has served it well. Every generation seems to push out another batch of really successful bands. Seattle music scene reinvents itself every decade or so. And it's really impressive. But, um, there's no sign of it peaking or disappearing after grunge or after indie or after uh, neo-folk. Or it just keeps rolling. And uh, you mentioned that you had seven national tours at this point? Yeah, um, and touring many times with uh, my band, but uh, lately, and much more, it's been traveling solo. And when you tour solo, you travel light, um, touring can can go on and on and on. Um, I don't play 300 shows a year. I know some people who do, uh, but I'm touring a lot, uh, just with me and my piano nowadays. Okay, and um, when you're touring solo, I mean, are you, are you flying around a lot, or are you, are you doing mostly driving? I guess how far do your national tours take you? 
I usually fly into a particular market and then drive. It's interesting that um, when you think about where musicians live, it's places like Nashville um, or New York or Chicago. Uh, when you live way out in Seattle, uh, you are pretty isolated. So I know people who live in Nashville and they do you know, weekend tours and then they come back home. In Seattle, you, you have to sort of parachute in in order to hit another market that isn't Seattle. So, well, yeah, but, uh, I mean, uh, how, how long would it be for you to, say, drive down the coast of Los Angeles? That is a 24-hour drive, straight drive time. That's 24. 24 hours. Okay, I didn't realize it was that far. Okay. And assuming there's no traffic, and, of course, it's L.A. So. Yeah, well, yeah, L.A. is yeah. gridlock you know, on a good day, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, guess, I guess, who are some of your biggest influences, then? Aaron, uh, musically? I am, uh, at the moment, I seem to be leaning more and more towards international fusion. I just came back from Africa. I was making music with African musicians there. Um, so I, I tend to get lit up by the artists that are crossing borders. Um, and that, you know, historically, on the Beatles, I guess, with their Indian connection, Zeppelin with their Middle Eastern stuff, and then in the 80s, you had uh, David Byrne and Paul Simon and uh, Peter Gabriel, and, and now you've got Vampire Weekend. So I'm really excited um, whenever an artist is taking uh, their culture and infusing it with another culture and coming up with a new, uh, a new style of music that hasn't existed before. Now, you mentioned uh, one of the reasons why we actually had to delay the the interview in the first place was because you had this uh, this trip to Africa, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, the trip to Africa was two months, and it just ended, and, and I threw myself right back into touring the States. I was in Uganda and Kenya. Uh, I, I'm really glad we did not try an interview from, say, Uganda, just... Uh, you never know when the power is going to go out, let alone the cell phone signal. Uh, I was busy making a ton of music there. So what brought you to, to Uganda? And, and uh, I mean, most people, when you think of going to to Africa, at least from, you know, say the Western world, would think to go to, to, to South Africa, right? To places like Johannesburg and places like that. But what made you think to go to uh, to, to Uganda specifically? Uh, well, there's a, a Boston singer-songwriter, uh, successful indie singer-songwriter named Antje Duvakat, and she had toured, uh, she's been touring relentlessly, uh, well-known as an American singer-songwriter, and she had an opportunity to go uh, volunteer in an orphanage in Uganda. She brought a guitar and donated it to them. And uh, I asked her, hey, could I get that contact info for the, for the orphanage? And it turned into, I went to a series of orphanages and helped them set up music programs. Uh, I, I collected, I, I'm still collecting, donated instruments from around the U.S. and shipping them uh, to contacts in Kenya and Uganda to deliver to these orphanages. Uh, so it grew from uh, sort of a wild hair. I'm like, hey, why don't I go to... This, this orphanage, I asked her for the contact info. And, uh, um, what I realized very quickly is there are a lot of young people in Africa. Most of them are orphans, it seems. Uh, just 75% of the population of Uganda, for example, is under 
25 years old. So there's just there's no shortage of opportunities to help, um, and that's that's unfortunate that um, uh, several difficult uh, decades of, of history uh, can result in a whole generation of kids that are uh, orphaned. Uh, um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a teacher. So I go over there and. Um, and the, the music, uh, both the traditional music from their own cultures and then uh, Western music, uh, bringing instruments that they can then uh, learn because I'm also connecting them with teachers from nearby cities. and uh, it's, it's blown up into more than I can handle, but then I was already busy with touring and writing and recording, so why not one more thing? Did, did you uh, make any lasting friendships while you were over there? I mean, do you still keep in contact with some of the people that you that you met while you were over there? Yeah, that's the key, especially if I'm, I'm donating instruments and funds from people in the states that I made reliable contacts and, and at these orphanages and, and in the music community. Because here and now, I'm responsible as the go-between <laughs> for you know, all of these musical instruments for for money. Uh, making sure that they get to people who know what to do with them and will use them honestly. And that is a difficult thing. Um, even the Africans I know, uh, they certainly became friends of mine, and that's not easy because they don't trust easy, and I get it. Um, the, there is certainly a vein of if you can take advantage of someone, you should because advantage is so difficult to find. Um, it's so difficult to get ahead. Uh, that, that so many people are trying to cut corners. And, uh, no, and uh, I mean, you know, do you find that that, that uh, I, I guess music must be a really good creative outlet in in places like that too, right? That, that you know, it means of bringing hope to people too, right? Yes, I um, I did feel a bit strange at first that uh, I don't uh, I, I I'm not a dentist. I'm not a a social worker. There are a lot of urgent things that I can't do, but um, I think music achieves uh, really crucially important things. One is if it's their own music, their own culture, um, there's a lot of pride in that, a lot of dignity in it. So I'm helping to, to start a, a traditional uh, dance and drumming uh, group at, at one of these organizations. And it's their music. It's thousands of years of history. Uh, in this music. So they build traditional instruments and they have a traditional drummer teaching them. Uh, they can take this music around uh, and, and you know, get gigs, basically, uh, these orphans, playing their people's music to their people. And there's also um, you know, the traditional Western music, um, the, the means by which to actually make a living as a studio engineer or as a studio musician or a touring musician playing guitar and bass or, or uh, the brass uh, brass bands are very popular down there. Um, it is uh, probably most important that people have a means of self-expression, especially if they're in an orphanage. And these kids have heavy histories. Uh, here's an outlet. Here's a chance to tell their story and express themselves and the alternative is hanging out on a street corner in the slum, and yeah, that's it, it is much much safer to be uh, you know engaged in the recording studio, telling your life story in a, in a pop song. 
Uh, I wanted to take a, a big sidestep, if I might, and uh, you know, just you know, get, allow you to get in and mention for your your band specifically. Like I, I you mentioned a little bit earlier on that that uh, you did mostly touring on your own these days. But uh, what can you tell us about the group that you've worked with? Well, they are an English band, and we've been working together for a decade now. It's uh, that same group of guys uh, working very closely together, and that's. That's unique and and powerful. I'm I'm really proud of that because I think I've, I've realized that uh, in indie music it can be easier to grab uh, you know, grab a guitar and hit the road alone. Um, it's a lot of work to keep a band moving. It's very expensive and unwieldy, and it's like being married to four people at once. But uh, it's also really rewarding and really unique because uh, this this band becomes its own living, breathing instrument. Uh, so the Aaron English band, uh, you know, we had a top five hit in Italy uh, a couple of years ago and um, doing really well on YouTube, just getting a lot of views simply because we, we really do play well together as a unit. And you can't you can't cut corners on that. You have to play together for years um, to become this, uh, this tight-knit musical uh, machine. And how did you sort of bring these guys together, or, or how did that process come together? I mean, you mentioned that, that uh, was it a rotating cast of members, or has it pretty much been the same guys since the beginning? It's been the same guys, yeah. It's it's, it's complex music, and I lean towards a cinematic, uh, theatrical sound. There's a lot going on, uh, so these musicians are really good, um, and uh, there's a lot of communication that goes on between them that takes a long time to cultivate. Um, so definitely the same guys. And I went to college with one of them, and, um, and another was my first housemate in Seattle. And just you sort of grow up together musically. So I, I understand that uh, you're, you're calling in uh, from what I understand. You're in Denver now. Is that right? Yeah, I just played a gig this morning. I, I just finished a tour of Colorado. Okay, all right. And uh, how did your last show go? It went great. Uh, the, the the weather in the U.S. has been really topsy-turvy, so Colorado has been getting drenched uh, with rain, and Seattle is in the middle of a drought. That uh, um, definitely affects the numbers. You, you tour when you think the weather will be lovely so that people will come to the gigs, but you can't trust anymore necessarily <laughs> if you come to you know, the high desert of Colorado in the summer that it won't rain. It, it was pretty funny. It, um, and my first week of gigs was not not as well attended as it hoped because the rain had come sweeping in and, and just, yeah, people people would stay home. Or worse, they come out to the show and then bam, the thunderstorm hits. As it did um, my very first gig here, I got to my last song and the skies just opened and and there was no cover for everybody, so they all hopped up on stage with me <laughs> and waited out the storm. Do you find yourself playing a lot of outside venues as opposed to inside ones? Yeah, I love it, uh, especially with the band. Uh, summer is for being outside, and uh, festivals are just a great way to introduce new music to to new audiences. Um, I, I love playing in beautiful places, and I tend to write about beautiful beautiful places, and so it's, I feel out of place in a bar just because 
there, I don't write about bar culture. Um, nothing against it, but I'll leave that to the Billy Joel types. Um, I'd definitely rather be looking at the mountains while I'm playing. <laughs> no, yeah. that's no, I you know, it's very poetic when you think about it, right? Huh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm down to the last couple of minutes here, uh, Aaron. So unfortunately, I have to tie this up. But the last question I always have for everybody is, where can people go to uh, learn more about your your music? They can go to AaronEnglish.com. A-A-R-O-N English. Um, and the YouTube channel is a great place. YouTube.com/slash Aaron English Band. Okay, and in light of the fact that I, I couldn't, uh, my, my last ask of you uh, today is in light of the fact that I couldn't play the, the music on the show today, when I'm back on the uh, the next next week, would you mind if I played a track of, or two of yours there? Yes, please. That's great. Okay, so I'm definitely going to do that for you, all right? So we'll, we'll make sure that people get a chance to hear you a little bit, all right? Okay, wonderful. Thanks, Kate. All right, no problem. So, uh, okay, that's getting, again going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, my guests for this episode have been uh, Rachel Israel and Aaron English, uh, two great talents, uh, two very different projects. And again, quick thank you to Havana for uh, dialing in from Argentina there uh, to listen to me live and to all the people that are listening to this later. So I'm going to be back at the same time next week. I've got three more great guests lined up for you. And uh, again, we're going to be playing some music by Aaron English. Uh, I also wanted to wish the best of luck to Melissa Platt, who's on her way down to uh, to Nashville there to to plug her music as well. So, uh, a lot of really good material that we were covering today. So again, thanks to everybody and to Lisa Savoli for uh, for teeing up the uh, the interview with Rachel. So until next week, uh, on behalf of all of my guests, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the Cutting Room Floor, Cut Print Wrap, and I am done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.